Hello everyone and welcome to the first Unorthodoxy episode of 2020. I'm Duncan Rayburn and I'm in the mad throes of trying to get my own academic year started since for the sake of those who don't live where I do, in South Africa academia kicks off in January. And so I've got some really exciting stuff that I've been wanting to actually kick off the year with, but um, there are various work pressures that are preventing me from getting to those at the moment. So instead of maintaining my silence, I thought to kick the year off with something deeply frivolous or seemingly frivolous, namely funny animal videos. I want to actually explore what it could mean that various people seem to get an obvious kick out of posting videos of dogs and cats and horses and other animals doing apparently funny things. In general, there are people who rather enjoy posting pics of their pets on Instagram. There is a hashtag I recently discovered called Dogstagram on Instagram. It is very tempting, and I'm one of those who is tempted, to put this down to being a matter of mere liking or preference, as social media would have us believe. We may want to think that there is no real deeper meaning to any of this. And maybe that is true. Maybe it's just about what people find enjoyable. But I want to speculate about another possibility, namely that funny animal videos say something about the human soul, the needs of the human soul more particularly. Note, I'm using the word speculate here because my claims here are going to be weak rather than strong. I'm not trying to offer the definitive meaning of funny animal videos, the definitive symbolism of these things. Rather, I just want to explore a few possibilities. Although, that said, I do hope that what I do explore here ends up being actually meaningful. I hope it makes sense to you. I want to start with a basic truth. Namely, that perception is analogy, which is to say that our mindfulness of anything never amounts to an exact identification with that thing. Science would want us to believe differently, of course. In science, one equals one, and the idea of the thing equals the thing. But actual perception never manages to escape the principle of analogy. This will be important to keep in mind with regard to our perceptions of anything, but obviously the thing I'm going to explore here is very particular. So what is analogy, particularly, since this is going to be so important for our understanding what I'm talking about? Well, we all know, basically, that analogy deals with comparison and similarity. And to talk about comparison or similarity is to imply a fundamental shared identity. So there is a shared identity, one really does equal one, but also there is the existence of difference. To say that one dog is like another dog is to imply that we are not dealing with the same animal. And to say that my perceptions of a dog are not the same thing as the dog is to also note a kind of analogical relationship. I sometimes joke that I do a fairly decent impression of myself or that I am disguised as myself. But there is a seriousness implied even in this kind of silly philosophical joviality. My access to myself, to the authentic original true being that I am, is never complete or absolute because my perception of myself is also analogous. It helps to understand that the Greek analogia combines a few meanings of the word logos, discourse, word, thought, 
notion, reason, and relationship with three principal meanings of the prefix ana. So it's quite amazing that logos has all these really rich, diverse meanings. It's a, a very profound word. It suggests the unifying principle of a thing. But ana also implies several meanings, and I'm just going to focus on three. It can mean one, elevation, namely the lifting of one thing into another. Two, return, i.e. the reversal or flipping of a thing into its opposite. And three, repetition, the idea of a thing being echoed or paralleled. There's more to say on this, of course, but these three categories are what I'd like to stick with for the sake of brevity and for the sake of yours and my sanity. With the idea of analogy in mind, the next step is to look at the idea of a message. And the category of funny animal videos definitely highlights a particular kind of message, or at least a cluster of messages. The word is a unifying principle, which is to say that when we speak, when we utter a word, we are trying to do what Oprah Winfrey recommends we do, namely make a connection. This, by the way, is what looking for meaning is always about. It's about connecting things. To make sense of anything is to see how it fits in with other things. The meaning of life is actually a question of how do you fit into life. It's to say that we can never understand anything, including pictures and videos of animals, in isolation. So now, with all of this in mind, we can begin to speculate about the meaning of funny animal videos. First, funny animal videos are analogies in the sense of elevating something. I think of how people often connect to animals through a screen in a way that somewhat transcends the way that they connect to people. Yes, I do know that we watch funny videos of people too, but there is a trend in this towards the slapstick side of life, which I find very intriguing. It's arguably that this slapstick side of humanity is more animal than human because the so-called dignity of the human being is being thwarted or thrown into question. The way I see it, what is being elevated is something that the digital realm tends to downplay or neglect or completely erase, namely the animal part of the human soul. I'm thinking of Aristotle's take on the human soul here. Here's how this is explained in the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy. Aristotle maintains that various kinds of souls, nutritive, perceptual, and intellectual, form a kind of hierarchy. Any creature with reason will also have perception. Any creature with perception will also have the ability to take on nutrition and to reproduce. But the converse does not hold. Thus, plants show up with only the nutritive soul, animals have both perceptual and nutritive faculties, and humans have all three. If that is the first time you've heard anything on Aristotle on the soul, don't panic. I know it's a bit weird, and actually there is a, a bit of stuff in Aristotle's take on the soul that is questionable. But what I like about it is how commonsensical it is. Plants can reproduce themselves but can't perceive or reason. Animals can reproduce themselves and perceive the world, but they can't reason. And people can reproduce, perceive, and reason. And I know that last part is probably hard to believe for some of you, but it is true. People can reason. But what happens on the screen, which is 
this thing that a lot of us look at for a large part of our days is that the human soul is forced into a space of pure abstraction. It's kind of pure reason, and that may sound like a glorious thing, but it really isn't. Everything becomes quite quickly discarnate. It becomes disembodied. Everything is not really perceived in the actual sense because everything is a mere simulacrum. So I perceive the screen, I perceive what the screen is telling me, but the actual perception of things is eradicated. I'm not, for example, seeing your face when I talk to you on a video chat, but rather my rational soul cons me into thinking that that's what I'm seeing. What we have here is a Gnostic realm, albeit one without God or even that demiurge Yeldabaoth in Gnostic mythology. It is a Gnostic realm in which the individual isolated subject's conceptions of the world, note conceptions, not perceptions, are all that matter. Since we unconsciously feel this pull away from the body, we tend to find ourselves compensating for it because the soul itself is a unifying principle. It seeks to integrate our lives. So the disembodied realm is low on affect, low on feeling, low on healthy, outdoorsy, active living, among other things. So it's easy to find people populating their vision with much more embodied seeming things. Among them, pets doing funny stuff. And this is done often to the laugh track of an owner. Laughter is, of course, a very physical thing. We feel that things are funny rather than merely thinking them to be funny. The natural result of watching a funny animal video is that the subject, the viewing subject, becomes a co-participant in this kind of return to the body. I would speculate that pornography serves a similar function for the discarnate digitized soul. It offers the illusion of embodiedness and elicits specific sensations in the observer, so there's also a kind of return to the body. But as with funny animal videos or animal pictures in general, the Gnostic realm isn't eradicated. It is only seemingly eradicated. By the way, there is also something about the return to the nutritive soul that happens in the digital realm, especially with people's pictures of their cappuccinos and their food and that kind of thing, this kind of return to obsessing about cookery, which I think is an attempt also to recover that part of our souls. So that pretty much, I think, covers the first symbolic function of funny animal videos. In brief, they call for an elevation of the more neglected parts of our souls, those parts that seek genuine perception, genuine nutrition over the merely intellectual illusion of embodied perception. The second and third symbolic functions of funny animal videos follow nicely on from the first, so thankfully I don't have to say too much about them. The second is the idea of a return, which is the suggestion of getting back into the body and probably even returning to the idea of health. Animals often represent vitality and health. They are very much alive, and that's certainly something that the video quality of funny videos replicates or tries to replicate. It, it represents this aliveness. Animals also reflect a return to a sense of humanity. There is something about animal videos that is humanizing. People who smile at cute animal videos are even more humanized 
when they are watching said videos in a sterile and impersonal office, or even within the impersonal frames of certain social media platforms. Then, lastly, the third symbolic function of those funny animal videos would be found in the idea of repetition. We are always looking for a mirror of ourselves in the world. And if some part of ourselves gets neglected or forced into silence, we will tend to go out and look in the world for the thing that we lost within ourselves. In this way, as I've already suggested, funny animal videos function as a kind of compensation. In fact, arguably all media and technologies are forms of compensation. They try to make up for something that we feel we lack, whether rightly or wrongly. I know there is much more to be said on this, but I hope that you have found this very brief speculation interesting and provocative. As someone who tends not to seek out animal videos of any kind and who is not all that fond of slapstick, I hope I have managed to make at least some sense of this phenomenon. That said, I just want to sincerely wish you all a really good 2020. May you all have the courage you need to face difficult things, the grace you need to perceive the gift of being, and the love you need to know that you belong in this world. Take care, everyone. <laughs>